Raj. I'm Selassie. I'm Tori. And I'm Olivia. Grime is a genre, I think, that originated in London, in the city of London, which is kind of, it's been the birthplace of a lot of well-respected and very much well-respected and incredible artists that especially Londoners put on a pedestal and I think a lot of the UK and now the world regard as really good artists and musicians. The music that was underground and is now incredibly mainstream, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. It's, it was the beginning of mm. something I think Londoners in UK, people from around the UK can be really proud of mm. cool though. And I think you can be even more specific. Like, it, it literally came from Bow, E3. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. not just in a city, London. Like, back in the early noughties, that was where the kind of sound originated from. Like, an industrial sort of spin-off from the back of Garage that was reacting against the, like, champagne lyrics of Garage and wanted to be more true to real life. You know, boys coming from estates and, you know, wanting to spit about what they were seeing around them so it's a direct influence from like the city to the music it definitely started in that inner city well bow for like to pinpoint a spot but then most definitely spread around inner city london and what i guess people call working class artists and people i mean the aesthetic would definitely be estates um, because a lot of the radio stations were on estates because they were tall mm-hmm. so you could put up aerials but I mean, just generally around in the city of London as well. But I think it's aesthetically that's what it would be. But also, I grew up in North London, so that was that was just a thing when it came about. I was young and I was at that quite not impressionable age, but at the age where everybody is kind of finding themselves and working out who they are, what they like, what they're into. And when Grand came about, I was at that perfect age to kind of lap up the the wave and the culture and and I was into it, you know what I mean? I was into the artists, I was into the art form, I was into the kind of I was into the kind of like I can't I can't really articulate the idea but the kind of get up and go I'd um feeling of just right, we're going to a mm-hmm. we're going to a flipping uh, car park. Twenty yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there's gonna be a speaker. Who's got bars? Yeah. Like, that I've proper resonated. That proper resonated with me, just like, you know what, yeah, let's do this. And this, those, I mean, I think a lot of people found solidarity in that. Just, yeah. We're all in this together. And I think and it gets what you're bit. saying as well about the, you know, kind of like, let's all just get up and go somewhere, you know, like going back to the urban environment, a lot of people or like the kind of very start of grime is essentially a group of friends, you know, introduced to each other by, like, their parents who ran sound systems together or, you know, they were people who were literally within walking distance of each other. And so, so much of it started because you could just up and walk to Mm. the pirate radio station or the, you know, it wasn't... You didn't have to travel, like, massive distances to go to the studio or, you know... And then then do you think then then also there was social media and then obviously because then obviously it could... It was kind of penetrated by Instagram and social networking groups that you can... It was then easy to transfer that message on a bigger scale as well and do that in a DIY way. Well, yeah, because that was when MySpace and MSN... Messenger was about. And that's how people... And also Blackberries. That's when Blackberries were big as well, I think. And Channel U, I think, was like our main player in that as well. 
Yeah. I remember s- switching tunes like with people with, with Bluetooth. Bluetooth. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was like a way. Oh, these are big I think that was I think that was after people like I mean I kind of would swap tape packs with people. So you would have like Sidewinder or like um, mainly drum and bass stuff, but then went into grime. But yeah, if you if you didn't have a tune, you would just be able to like stand really close next to somebody and like Bluetooth a tune over yeah. to each other. So well, even infrared before. Yeah, yeah. And I think phones so important as well because not everyone had a laptop. Yeah. So it wasn't just as easy as like oh I'll email that over to you. You know, like that technology being able to share without necessarily needing like a really expensive piece of kit you know you mm. could could you even make tunes on your phone well people were making, making that up people were making tunes on like fruity boots and then like there was i mean so solid most of that album the first album was made on uh dance ej which was like, i think it's called dance ej which is like a playstation software where you could you know build there's like the building blocks of basic tunes yeah um but I remember like most of the tunes that were made at that time, people didn't even know that you could export at a higher bit rate, yeah. which means that people were cutting dubs at like a really low quality uh, MP3 and then cutting it onto wax and it would just have this like mad crusty sound. Mm. But that was the kind of raw edge mm. that you would listen to and, and it was like probably gave it some another depth. Yeah. Yeah. That's ultimately what like inspired the name, I think, because it started off as from what I know, Grimy Garage. Mm. And that was like, you know, a lot of the MCs kind of resisted that in the beginning because that sounded like Dirty Garage, you know. Mm. But actually it was just the sound was grimy, you yeah, know. It was raw. that like low low resolution, that's yeah, not the yeah, right thing yeah. to say. Like low resolution, you know, repurposed sound yeah. that made it so unique and so itself. You know, I think if the technology wasn't around... You know, at the time when when grime came through, which was the early noughties, I think it was '02 when yeah. Pay as You Go started putting out tunes. Is that right? Something like that. Um, but before that, it was punk. You know, I think that's the closest thing you get to what grime was. I think it's changed now, and I don't think you can necessarily say what grime is. But in that sort of protest way, do you mean? exactly yeah. in that rebellious, the rebel you know, sound, yeah, yeah, mm. the rebel sound, and also the sound of like the marginalised person, yeah. the sound of the person who doesn't yeah, have yeah. their sound. Mm. And maybe that goes back to what you were saying, Selassie, because it's like finally London youth had music to be proud of yeah, that really. sounded like them. Yeah. that talked about the shit that they talk about, but didn't come from the US, you know? You didn't have to mm-hmm. hell up a US hip-hop artist. You could finally be like, no, this comes from my ends. I yeah. think the slang was a big part of that as well, being able to speak freely how you spoke, like speak every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, slang was a big part of, of grime. I mean, it's, it's, it's modern in the sense that I think no grime was ever really made with instruments so it was always made like in a computer mm. so I mean in that sense I guess it's relatively forward thinking on that part but um, because I was young when it all happened I was just like oh, it was, it's old now like, <laughs> <laughs> even though people will be like yeah you're young but it feels like it was a while ago for the music industry I think like one of the biggest I don't know if I'm allowed to swear like this but one of the biggest fuck you's that yeah. you could give to a label ever. It's like, we've got no money behind us. 
we haven't even got the right, right, and I'm saying right in inverted commas, technology, mm. but we're making music that's more popular than, mm. you know, your yeah. artists who you're spending hundreds of thousands of pounds on to try and market them to a certain kind of people. And I think that that's what was so amazing about the start of Grime was that there was just no... It was like no expectations attached to it. Mm. It was just like, this is our creative output. Take it or leave it. And that's what makes it so authentic is that there was no one interfering and saying, this would be more marketable if... And actually Mm. when artists did start going off to major labels, it did interfere with the music. Absolutely. And your dizzies went a little bit pop and chipmunk and they sort of lost their roots in a way because when you pour money and and try and polish something like grime, it It doesn't work anymore. I think grime looks like the MCs that created it and grime therefore looks like British, urban, black street culture, it's tracksuits, it's... But but not just any tracksuit, you know, there is pride to the look. And I think that's a common misconception, you know, just because you're not wearing a suit doesn't mean that you're not ironing your tracksuit, making mm. sure it's fresh and clean, mm. making sure your crepes are white, you know, your trainers can't be dirty. That was a... That's yeah, like a, a mark of pride, you know? And that's what differentiated someone from, you know, who was looking after themselves, who, like, was taking pride in their appearance and therefore, you know, ultimately the music. But I think it's a really difficult question because it's like what came first, you know? I don't think that the style necessarily came out of grime. Yeah, neither do I. I even remember, actually, on the first... on. Roll Deep's cover. Yeah. Like, street style in London was literally American style. Like, yeah. They, they all had that. Like, and Virex. Yeah. And, yeah. and, like, baseball teams and, like... Baggy like, jeans. Basketball teams and all of that. Yeah. But then it gradually... And I think maybe with, like, when we started taking a bit more... Ah, oh, no, wait. Let me word this properly. I was going to say take more pride, but it wasn't taking more pride. We just realised that we had something which was sick. So we didn't really need to copy... Um, American style so we just started doing our own thing and Channel U and like different things which could dispel our culture we started just getting having fresh 110s the tracksuits <laughs> the nightclub I mean there's little things that you'd be like alright cool they may be involved but I don't think there's like a, a style of grime it would just be whatever kind of London street culture or at style would be at the time because there is it definitely transitions mm. like Mm. Over time, mm. even yeah. the shape of the tracksuit, you know, even like once upon a time you'd have if you had skinny tracksuits back then, no ruched yeah. ankle <laughs> yeah. and a baggy tracksuit, and yeah. now everyone's yeah. got tight leg. Yeah. I hate it; it's yeah, so it's unattractive. Crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because yeah. Nike have now stopped making the ones with the like bunched bottoms, which is yeah. like a classic Nike tracksuit. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, f- I think that you can't really define it. It, it really depends on the era that you're talking about yeah. when it comes to grime and it is really a sign of the times depending on maybe your economic wealth or whoever was like your aspirational person around you at the time so it might be the local businessman yeah. just doing stuff on the streets D-Lo. you know you mean D-Lo. Yeah. <laughs> 
Lots of gotcha. I don't know yeah. if you're allowed to say that. Travelling yeah. pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really do think that, like, shotters, if you're, if you're growing up in an environment where you're seeing people like that, and they're wearing the freshest garments. You don't even like, and, and from working in, you know, fashion retail, people used to just come in and be like, can't pronounce the name of stuff and yeah. describe to you what the logo looks like and they want that belt. Mm, yeah. You know, it's, and it's like, and it is because of your surroundings and it isn't really so much to do with the music. It's, it's more like you want to look fresh. That's, that's your one day, you know, you, you're going you're gonna to come out and you want to step out and make sure you're, you're repping your shit, so... But then I think there's always, like, no matter what era, there's always been people who have kind of had, like, breakout style, like Crazy Titch before he was sent away, you know, that that iconic boiler suit. I think it was... Hmm. Adidas Y2, is it Y2? Y3. Y3. (laughs) (laughs) Just missing one number on there. Um, But, you know, he was like, he was one of the only MCs that got sent that. They, like, made a conscious decision to send that to him, you know, and he was always kind of, like, a bit extra. And then now you've got Skepta, Mm -hmm. who, like, a lot of the original MCs, I think, would probably look at some of the things he wears and be like, no, you know, like, you know, because he will really push the boundaries, you know. He'll step out and you know, he's kind of doing what some of the American rappers are doing now and really turning to fashion as another way for him to push his career forward. I mean, he's brought out his own line as well, you know, which I know a lot of of them have done. But, um, you know, I think he's an example of someone who's not necessarily following the sort of traditional trend, you know? He's like kind of pushing the boat out a bit more. Yeah. But there's also people like D-Double as well, who's all, mm. always just had his own thing. Yeah. He was one of the first people to actually be called out to Paris with Tim and Barry to walk runways. Like, I remember watching Don't Watch That and all that stuff. And, you know... With those cheekbones, I'm him, not surprised. Jamma, <laughs> like, you know, they did a whole kind of grind takeover. Yeah. I remember the brand, but, yeah, I remember seeing that and being like, wow, like, this is... And even at that time, I think it wasn't really spoken of, really. But also you can't forget, like, merchandise culture as well. Mm. You know, so many of the MCs have their own label now, Mm. you know, like um, Lethal Bizzles, Dench, and what's Chipmunk's motto? Cash motto. Cash motto. Um, You know, and and even the Bluku Bluku t-shirts and tracksuits, you know, a lot of the MCs have put their branding... On back merch. on themselves yeah. and on their merch yeah. and that's become something that people want to wear because you know again you want to support your person your musician you know the one that is your guy basically the exhibition that i'm curating is called uh, street style from teddy boys to grime kids and it's essentially an exhibition about an exhibition um which happened 25 years ago at the vna and the exhibition again it was called street style And it was the first of its kind to have a focus on subcultural fashion in a museum. And at the time, you know, the V&A would never have put on an exhibition like this. It was all about celebrating elite fashion, couture, you know, the best of the best, luxury. But they they sort of decided to pivot because they wanted to get uh, greater audience figures. And they felt that that would attract a younger audience. So at the time, it was completely, um, it kind of revolutionised um, what the V&A were exhibiting. And then also it has a legacy because then after that, there have been many exhibitions that have looked at um, fashion and subculture. 
So the exhibition celebrates that exhibition. It looks at exactly the sort of curatorial process of putting on an exhibition that has is essentially very challenging because displaying subcultures is always a challenge. Um, so I'm looking at all the basic the curatorial process, but then I'm updating it with Grime today because obviously Grime didn't exist 25 years ago, and also again to get a younger audience um, interested in the exhibition and fashion curation and it's kind of a way of sort of updating it making sort of bringing it bringing this exhibition introducing it to a contemporary audience so for, for the original exhibition Amy Delahaye was one of the curators she had special advisors that helped her put together each of the displays for the various subcultures whether it be punk rockers teddy boys and so I'm doing a similar thing this time because again um, I am not a grime expert and I wouldn't know what to put on a mannequin you know I could have an idea but I wouldn't know so I'm I'm actually sort of outsourcing it in that sense so I'm asking people's opinion on what should go on those mannequins and then another challenge is I say mannequins because I actually I don't actually even want to include mannequins um for the display because again it seems slightly outdated you know putting garments on mannequins that won't necessarily you know it's what we're talking about the everyday person and a mannequin you know the mannequins that you would use could be it could almost look like a shop display or also they're 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 often of a certain height and size so they wouldn't be representative of kind of necessarily the everyday person so again I think that using mannequins would be wouldn't necessarily be the right thing to do in this case so it, one of the biggest challenges is working out how to display the garments again we've talked about sort of the DIY technology side of things and also you mentioned Channel U and Risky Rose and stuff like that should they be also be maybe incorporated in the display again because this is where people were seeing the fashion and and all these kind of things that make building out the display so that it's it doesn't just look like a shop display and it really sort of actually shows grime fashion as a you know in a in a proper way i think it's interesting because actually especially back in the early days like grime didn't actually have a face because we weren't at a place yet where everything was instantly image wise mm. shareable so actually a lot of people only ever knew their mc mm. by voice through the radio until they started to see something like Lord of the Mics or Risky Roads, where... Or Rewind magazine. Exactly, Rewind magazine. Every single cover of Rewind magazine. You know, which were... They were kind of like the first places that put a face to the voice, I suppose, or to the lyrics. Absolutely. And so actually, I'm just literally thinking off the top of my head now, but maybe that's quite interesting that, you know, like when you ultimately put it all together, everyone's style was... Well, you know, of course it was. It was it was London urban street style at the time and still is today, you know, in all of its manifestations. And so even if you didn't have, like, people pioneering the fashions, it was all still under the same kind of bracket, if that makes sense, in a way that if you looked at pop, you couldn't imagine what mm-hmm. one person to the next person might look like I think. Yeah, mm. I'd agree. I did an exhibition five years ago, and I and Skep, I had, again, I had different subcultures, and Skepta did the grime mannequin, in, and it was a mannequin, a white mannequin, which, again, is problematic. And um, he chose a look, well, you're talking about, you know, the kind of London thing as well, and, but he actually chose an academic's 
tracksuit mm. and, and a new era cap and Air Max. But his kind of quote that accompanied it was about talking about how Dizzy, when Dizzy went to America, he brought back, you know... Um, Avery. Yeah, yeah, and... Um, was it Rockaware and Sean John? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and um, Fubu. Yeah, Fubu. Yeah, and so he and that was kind of his point, but then it was twisted and it kind of still looked like a London look. Mm. And then again, but the problem with that was it was just one mannequin. And what we're, when you're talking about now, we're talking about sort of nearly twenty years of a style. How do you show that? How do you show like you're talking about how it evolves? How you know are there key moments that you that you go to? Um, do you start with a kind of an original style? That's really interesting what you said about the voices thing as well. It kind of being faceless is, again, is really interesting because, again, with subcultures, often, you know, you know who's part of your crew because there's certain identifiers. And if it's just a London look, you know, if it's just a London urban inner city look, how do you, how do you then suddenly say it's a grime look? When you think about why the tracksuit and why, like, I think we could probably all agree that that's something, if there was, like, an essential item that you must have mm. in your grime look wardrobe, it's quite a funny <laughs> idea in itself, there would be a tracksuit in there yeah. of some description. And I was asking an MC the other day as part of a project that I'm doing, because this is a difficult one for me to answer... But I was like, why the tracksuit? And he was like, well, because it's comfortable. I can yeah. run in a tracksuit, you know? And I think that the reality of life for, you know, you, you have to remember that the early noughties was really not that far away from the 90s when there was still a lot of racial discrimination. I mean, it still exists now. Of course it does. But it was very overt. And, you know, I've got a friend who was part of the scene who was telling me that they would deliberately never walk in more than two people as they went along the street. They would literally leave at different times because if they walked in a group of six, you were guaranteed to be stopped by the police. So maybe there's something to do with, you know, the aspect of being able and ready to kind of get up and go whenever you needed to. But also, it's comfortable. Exactly, you know, and, and it's kind of like defining yourself not by what, straight white society mm. you know the the man what he has told you makes you look smart or makes you look professional you know because really I think we all know that that doesn't matter ultimately it's about what you're doing and and what you're bringing to the table you know and I think that that's you know one of the most liberating things within like kind of fashion and music culture is that people did start turning up to award ceremonies where you would not, where it says black tie on the invitation but you're not <laughs> going to turn Dizzy Rascal away because he's going to win all the awards this year and he's coming in his tracksuit because why should he put a suit on what does that mean to him you know and I think it is his suit like you were saying that yeah, is no, it's was, a tracksuit it's a suit you know yeah, my Echo tracksuit I got for Christmas I remember it was my suit it's what I wore to yeah. like important events yeah like, I wore this to the lavish shows or like the proper even if I was going to like an auntie's yeah like party or whatever you know what I mean it should be like a little 50th or whatever I'm putting on my echo track so this is what's going on and I genuinely felt like that I didn't think it was it was I was a little bit scruffy it was a little like this is a bit turned down I genuinely felt like it was like this is my nicest piece of clothing 
this is what I want people to see. So like Dizzy turning up to the awards in his tracksuit, he's not, like, obviously he's going there, but it's not really and truly, it's not the people in the crowd that he's trying to get, he really cares Good about. From, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's, he's been true. He's just yeah. been true yeah. to himself, which is exactly what, why Graham is. And I it's think incredible. there's like a misconception that like a tracksuit is a cheap thing yeah. to buy or no, that the trainers cheap. are cheap. No, they're, they're not. not. I have to wait you know? to get this yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, people save their money to make sure yeah. they have the right trainers. You know, that's yeah. why things like Crep Protect, you know, J2K, the MC, has brought out a, a product called Crep Protect, which yeah. literally protects your trainers. It like yeah. basically makes them waterproof, you know, so they don't get muddied. Because you're spending how much money yeah. on a pair of trainers nowadays? Yeah, 350 quid yeah, more you know yeah. to to you know kind of you know and that's a statement that in a, in itself is a statement it's mm. like the jewellery you know when MCs go to Seattle Gold you know like it's kind of like a rite of passage almost you know you know you're making money when you can go to Seattle Gold and have yeah. you know your chain made with your logo or your you know that's someone who who's got the money who's like made their I feel like that came a lot later in the game I do too like that the the essence of it was really just about tracksuits and trainers and how exclusive your trainers were yeah I think I think Dizzy was probably the first person to do the collaboration with Nike and he had the tongue-in-cheek trainer yeah when that came out everyone was like whoa but also also, if you're talking about the Air Max as well that's an avant-garde design in a trainer with the bubbles and you know it's an it's a trainer but it's not a plimsoll it's not like a you know it's not like a it's not like a you know a simple trainer. It's it's incredible the design yeah. and everything was and it was more was crazy. yeah it was incredibly expensive then like hundred and ten pound one hundred and twenty five pound for a tra- pair of trainers in, the in you know in the, the early two thousands is a lot of money you know yeah. it, the price hasn't really even changed that much. Yeah. Grimes style whatever that may be came from a place that was about street culture mm. and then developed as the genre developed yeah, into something where you can wear something now you know if I'm wearing a t-shirt that says bluku bluku you know that I like D double E do you know what I mean it, yeah. you immediately know who my and, allegiance is with and the new era I always think the new era cap with the sticker yeah sticker oh, the sticker well. and the labels yeah you leave the labels and, yeah, and, the, la- and yeah. the tag the tag yeah, 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 yeah. definitely use the tag and the one glove it's yeah. funny, what, what did we say earlier? Yeah, we were talking about, oh. <laughs> what is that, a Michael Jackson thing? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's yeah. basically you would, like, real road guys would wear a glove on their, like, trigger, it's a trigger finger. Okay. So that you don't have it on your prints. Okay. Your prints <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. You know, but then we were saying, like, because you see all this, the kids in schools would, like, have that. Yeah. And then, like, they would do, like, one one hand for the whap, one hand for doing your homework. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, it's funny, because that really, like, you know that went everywhere. That the one glove, the um, the new era cap, and then the ones with the the flaps as well. Yeah, yeah. that was such a thing. And then it was like kind of like the beanie uh, version of that. Yeah. And then like yeah, certainly Nike. And I think like in America, Adidas was probably like a hip hop thing. For yeah. Sure. But like over here, that didn't really translate. But then saying that, you know, in casual culture. In Manchester, certainly Adidas, the Gazelle is like mm. one of the biggest shoes. But um, I think in other sort of major cities, Nike, were, and still probably to the day, is uh, the most important brand. Mm. Mm, definitely. 
I think the, the thing about grime is that there weren't, and there still aren't, many female grime MCs. And I think a lot of the females that actually became integral to the scene were often like sisters, friends, girlfriends, you know, they were people who were like there and present who weren't necessarily getting up and spitting on the mic, you know. I feel like women wore the same as men. (laughs) It didn't really vary that much. It's interesting for the exhibition as well. It's like, am I to display just, uh, you know, the male look or should I have a female look in there as well, even if it is the same? I think what what was the separation was the way they did their hairstyle. It was like slicked back, like bushy at the back. Yeah. And that's another thing, again, because with the original street style exhibition, so uh, they decided that, you know, hair and beauty was too much of, it was too much of a big thing to kind of even think about with the various different subcultures. So they actually just got sort of bespoke um, like metal headpieces made. But then I think with grime, like what you just said, it's really important to celebrate yeah, like black hair, earrings beauty, and how big and, your hips yeah, are. And oh, yeah. Thing, you, know. you do it in a different way. You know, our whole even beauty and, you know, it's just it's, we're in a different space now, you know. So it's actually really important to actually talk about it, present it, because it's definitely part of it. Yeah. I think the colours you wore as well as a woman was one way that you kind of separate yourself, like baby blues, baby pinks. Yeah. Baby Blue as an artist as well. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think also, like, the, I just remember loads of girls used to wear the prison beads, the plastic prison beads. Yeah. Oh, my days, and them slippers what, as well. What, what, actually, the rosary ones. Yeah, the rosary mm-hmm. beads, yeah. Plastic ones. The looks were the same, but if you can do the girl version, you know, mm. you take the hoodie off when you're in the club and maybe you've got, like, a bikini top on yeah. the top or, mm. like, a you know, you make it sexy, you make it... You know, you have a vest, you have a... But, you know, the, it's like the same principles, the same, like... You know, and I think that there's a lot of... Especially with the actual female grime MCs, you know, they have had to and still have to do a lot of keeping up with the guys. And so it's almost like you can't suddenly come out with a really feminine look. Or maybe you can, you know, maybe there's an argument to say that someone like Miss Banks has, like, yeah. you know, gone mm-hmm. and taken that and run with it. But, um, you know, especially at the age, time... Yeah, this day and age, it's certainly a lot more easier to be like that. But yeah. back then, I think, you were in that environment. You're in a, you're in a room full of skunk heads and yeah. smoke. You know, you can't really be coming in through with your, with your heels on. Like. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, that's probably because it was so male you know, dominated. But also the practicalities, you know, yeah, like, I don't yeah. know if you've ever tried to wear a nah. pair of heels, but I certainly have. <laughs> and, and like, there's, not in a million years would you find me at Eskimo dancing a pair of heels. Like, nah. are you mad? You know, yeah, the way you're dancing wild. to the music, yeah. you know, you're skanking, you're skanking yeah, to yeah. the music. You can't do that yeah. in thigh-high boots, you know. <laughs> well, actually, I'm Off sure the there were girls that did, you know, but if you really wanted to be a part of the culture, if you, and also if you wanted to keep up with the guys, you know, it's it's like a... You know, it's a femininity is is or has been seen as a weakness, and I think that grime, especially in the early days, you know, people would beef each other. It was about clashing. It was about power. You know, who's gonna win? And I think if you wanted to keep up, then you had to be masculine almost in the way that you presented yourself, because otherwise you're an easy target somehow. Yeah, you need that you know? impression. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and aggression is so important. The rage and the aggression that people were feeling. And you mentioned earrings as well. That is kind of like the one area that you can really feminise. And nails. You know, your nails. nails. Yeah. So everything else. Yeah, long, colourful nails, big hoop earrings, and exactly the same tracksuit and crepes as everyone else. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, it's really hard to define a style particularly to what's happened in urban areas. And I hate the term urban, but, you know. But, you know, because everything changes so quickly and everyone is, like, there's a massive pressure to, like, perform and be, like, the best of the best. So you're always searching for the new thing. But I think, like, with the internet and Instagram, everything's become quite homogenised. So you're not really... I think grime was probably the last era of, like, yeah. like a tribe era. I agree with that. Of, like, yeah. you know, where you had your skateboarders, you had grime kids, you had, like, kids that are into, like, rock music, punks, and, like, now because of Instagram, everyone's just looking... Like, you can tell when someone doesn't have a style because they're just looking on Instagram they've just gone and bought the most expensive Start-up thing. stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, and it's, and Instagram makes everything accessible, and I think the thing with subcultures and that tribal thing... There needs to be an element that isn't accessible. You have to know it. And I think, you know, that that's the kind of... the It's the kind of it mutates organically. And I think that's what happened with grime. And I think now because of Instagram and, you know, everything is just... It's too easy to access everything. It's just there at a click of, you know, click of your fingers. And you can, you can be wearing punk one day and the grime look the next day. And I think you can't... You, you, like, almost can't have this conversation that we're having now without speaking about cultural appropriation mm. because it is a real thing you know and and I think what you're saying about inaccessibility you know people who were wearing a certain style back in the early noughties when grime was coming up you know you couldn't be a middle upper class white private schoolboy just chuck on a tracksuit mm. and go down to an estate in Bow and mm. kick it with the lads. That wasn't going to happen, <laughs> you know. And now, like, it, a really good example is the difference between the audience at early Eskimo dance, which was, you know, there was... I mean, the mix of people was just a completely different thing. Nowadays, mm. you see a sea of, you know, middle-class white university students yeah. at the front of a gig who don't even know who Wiley is, yeah. you know, <laughs> which is wild, like back then, everyone was from ends. They were from your area, you know. That you went to the the party, the sidewinder. You know, it was what was accessible to yeah, you. Yeah. Again, you know, like people weren't necessarily traveling across to West London to go to a gig. You know, there were there were wider political implications for leaving your area. Yeah, you know, you it, couldn't do it. No, you couldn't do it, and you, and not just anyone could come into it either. And actually, I still think that's the same, you know, for any, you know, I think the scene is a, even the words, the scene is something that some people think is great and other MCs and, and, you know, grime influencers or documenters, you know, think is a, is an awful thing that's kind of happened, that it's turned into a scene and not just a way of life, which is what it came from, because that means that Mm. people can dip in and out when they want Mm. to. People come in and, and try and appropriate the culture and take the culture and it's kind of like unless you're certified, unless somebody is there to back you up and say, no, she's all right, she yeah, can be you here, yeah. you're not going to be there in that room, you know? Yeah. You can't get into that room. I think Graham will always live on, though, 100%, and it will always be referred back to. 
because I don't really think it's it's it is a musical genre, and whether that musical genre is like to the forefront of like popular musical culture at the time it, it is neither here or there, or it may be or it may not be. But I do think like it is really a mentality. Mm. And I think it is really kind of like a mindset as mm-hmm. well. The mentality will always be there with certain artists, and I think if certain artists in the future or certain scenes kind of like emerge or kind of come up and they're doing things in a real kind of innovative and DIY way, I think a lot of people will be like, shit, that's like, that's what, how Grime started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Think. which is what people say about, about punk. punk. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I think and jungle like, as well, probably. Exactly. And I think it's important to say to, to people who are listening to this that not just any working class black rapper in a tracksuit is making grime music. Grime music is a specific subsection of what is now road rap, Afro beats, you know, drill. There is, we've got trap going on over here. You know, there are so many different genres that the media, especially the first thing they want to do is label it. it. And that in itself is its own inherent ignorant racism, really because people aren't taking a moment to distinguish what genre artists actually belong to. Yeah. And I think although the the style probably travels across all of the genres, grime itself as a musical genre is a very specific thing. Like the, Even I remember I was listening to this thing with Kanye the other day, and he was like, when I came out, a lot of the grime heads were like, is this really grime? Yeah, because like, he, he was all over different tempos. Yeah, and he was all over kind of like, it was almost rappy, soulfully-ish beats, like P's and Q's and yeah. all that. Mm. Like, a lot of stuff on Home Sweet Home, they was like, is this really grime kind of thing? So he was like, even when I came out, I'm like, Lord, is like, and he is rightly so, like one of the most incredible and grime artists. But even when he was saying, when he came out, people were like, this isn't pure grime kind of thing. Mm. But he, he had the mentality and he kind of like, rode the tracks in a particular way and like attacked them in a particular way and was at the Lord of the Max, you know what I mean? He didn't back yeah. down from a clash kind of thing. Yeah. Can I ask you something then on like a fashion thing? Yeah, yeah. So Kano now, although you might see him in a tracksuit, he's pretty much always in Gucci loafers, yeah, Gucci yeah, yeah. t-shirt, he, he dresses nice and sharp for the awards ceremony. Is yeah. that still grime style? Yeah, 100%, I think. He... he, he he came up through that man. Of course, he's allowed to do that. Like, yeah, he, it's, he it's, can do whatever. It's he aspirational. Is. At the time yeah. when you're Amazing. 15, 16, rapping, you're only aspiring to get those one tens on your feet. Mm. When you're his age, now the one tens become Gucci, Gucci loafers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same thing. Well, you said it was a, mi- a mindset. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or mm-hmm. Also, like when you have style, you can't like. You might be able to wear this T-shirt, but you're not going to wear it how I wear it. Yeah. There's certain things that discrim- mm. like distinguish your, your personal style. So, yeah, yeah I think it's, um, it's, it's definitely a personal taste thing. And I, lo- I actually love seeing everybody, like, kind of... Elevating the level. Elevate, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody isn't just stuck in a particular... Yeah. Um, my, like, well, I guess I say mine, so yeah. But <laughs> in, this, in a rut, basically, being like, no, we've got to mm. keep these tracksuits on and the Air Max Limited which aren't even out at the moment we still got to get them you know what I mean we're, we're moving and evolving and that's only that's only a good thing